Hey there, this is a kitchen mobile episode, and I'm going to make it to the point. I've got something I have to do in about 20 minutes, so some time constraints. But yeah, what's on my mind is why it's troublesome when someone suddenly attaches themselves to a new cause without having done, without having gone, gone through some sort of process to get there. Because anybody can say the right things, and in that new moment, do the right things that other people want them to do or other people expect them to do, and at least temporarily appear to be doing the right thing. And it's why people, it's why people are so easily manipulated, for one. It's why salesmen can be so effective. Even though they're not your friend, they know how to say the right things and do the right things. And in this case, you know, it's it's very much the same way. It's it's why politicians are able to present themselves a certain way that appeals to people, even though deep down people know it might not be authentic, they're saying the right thing and doing the right thing. And we live in a time where every individual has become a politician in many ways. It was interesting to see, you know, during the debate, Donald Trumpsfeld you know, didn't denounce the abstract idea of white supremacy. He asked for concrete examples, but he didn't denounce the abstract idea of white supremacy. And if you don't think it's an abstract idea, it's one of the most popular abstract ideas going around right now. This idea of widespread white supremacy, but it's been abstracted to a point where it's actually difficult to pinpoint you know, where exactly it fits in, but it's kind of this wash that goes over everything. But he was asked to denounce that and he didn't, he didn't directly denounce it. And then I saw on social media afterward from people I know, you know, I always have to make that distinction, people I know, because there's a tendency when you talk about what you're seeing on social media for people to respond with, well, that's just on Twitter. You got to get off the, you got to stop, stop looking at what strangers are saying on Twitter. Anonymous accounts on, accounts on Twitter. So it's, it's always important for me to make the distinction. People I know, people that I know one way or another personally. And it was interesting to see them afterward. And these are people who are already liberal, already leftist, already anti-Trump, like after that, they were posting this copy and paste denunciation of white supremacy. And it was kind of cute, except it wasn't. <laughs> it was kind of cute, except for the fact that it wasn't. And I thought it was so weird because it's like it was such a, a it was such a clear cut example of what I'm talking about when I say that everybody in their own minds now is this little politician, the little politicians. Have you have you heard my band? We're called the little politicians. But it's very much the same sort of mindset that goes into politics where we have this public persona. And that's what makes a politician make certain statements because it appeals to the public in some way. And so the fact that everybody has this sort of public persona now turns them into little politicians where oh, they see that a politician didn't denounce white supremacy. So in turn, now they have to because they're also a little politician. 
they have to let everybody they know who's connected to them online, and maybe not just their friends, but anybody who could potentially see it, they have to let them know that I denounce it. Yeah, well, the president, he, he doesn't denounce it, so I'd, but I, I want to let you know that I denounce it. You know, it's, it's an interesting little trick that never would have played out de- in decades past. And, you know, I'm, I'm very hesitant to criticize social media, as I've made very clear, but it's still, that is one of the, I think one of the downsides to it is that people feel added pressure to announce and denounce and proclaim because they have this new public persona that is mostly in their own minds, although I don't know that it is. Because I, I, I know for a fact there are people right now who are noticing a lack of... People are noticing when you don't say certain things. People are noticing when you don't proclaim certain things. People are noticing when you don't denounce abstract ideas. So it's not that people are totally off their rockers by acting like these little politicians and making these empty proclamations. There actually are people who are sick, they're sick, who are noticing when you don't say something and as a result placing you in a certain category. At the very least, you're on their list of people who didn't say the right thing. You may not have said the wrong thing, but somewhere in their mind, they have categorized you as someone who didn't say the right thing. And that it's that silence is deafening stuff that people push. Oh, your silence is deafening. Oh, because you said nothing. I know exactly where you stand. So it's that sort of idea. And people do think that way. They are thinking that way. And it's that sort of pressure that makes... Some average Joe post a copy and paste, you know, chunk of text that says, I denounce white supremacy, blah, blah, blah. The president won't do it, but I'll do it. I'll, I'll make that daring move. And so it's just interesting to me. And the issue with all of this, though, is that the people who are suddenly and newly devoted to a certain cause or they're devoted to that cause with a newfound intensity. What's concerning about that, and it should be concerning to the people who are true believers in that cause, is that those people have not gone through some sort of process of individuation. They have not gone through some sort of internal process that has made this new cause or this newfound intensity for a cause relevant to them. And it's, it's why Jungian psychology is interesting because the idea is that you have to go through a certain process. You can't just announce that you're a good person tomorrow. You can, and a lot of people do that. A lot of people want this new fix, where this, this, this newfound you know, fix to their problems where it's like, oh, I, I, I haven't been feeling well. I've been treating people poorly. Well, if I say and do the right things... That's a solution to all these problems. People will forgive me. I will now be a good person. And while it's good to start thinking of yourself in those terms as kind of an internal mantra, it's not that simple. 
And chances are, you know, you're manipulating yourself, you're manipulating other people in some way if you think that that's an effective solution to your issues. Hey, Batman, come on. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and it's it's what I've talked about before when I say that, you know, when, when somebody suddenly joins a cause but they haven't gone through the internal process to get there on their own, they become a weak link in your chain and nobody should want that. It's why there are so many stories about small but powerful groups overcoming the odds against larger, weaker groups. Quality over quantity. There's a reason why all these cliches, all these stories exist. And there's a reason why the heroes in stories are often the smaller group. The heroes are often in, the, you know, it's the battle of Helm's Deep. You know, it's, it's in countless stories where there's a much larger, you know, it's, it's the quantity is attacking the quality and the odds seem slim, but what the quality has, what the quality army has, the smaller quality army, and that's the name of my army, the quality army, but what the quality army has on its side is the fact that they're bound together as strong links, they are a, a much stronger chain because all of the links are powerful in their own right. Whereas the much larger army is bound together by weak links, many more weak links. So that makes them easier to combat in that situation, even when the odds are, when the odds are stacked in their favor. And so nobody should want people to quickly and easily think the way they do. No matter how important you believe your cause is, no matter how much you believe the ends justify the means, you should be terrified when a lot of weak links join your chain. Because when the dust settles, when that battle is over, you still have to deal with those people. And the fact that they have presented themselves a certain way, that they've worn a certain mask, that they've said the right things, but might not have gone through the right process, means that they're going to be a danger to you down the road. They, those are the people who might revert right back to the way they were before, for better or worse. That might be a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a bad thing for everyone. I think it's a bad thing for everyone when someone is that flimsy that... They adopt a certain way of thinking or talking when it's convenient or when it's advantageous to them, even if it's just to their own survival, and then they revert back when the stakes are lowered. I think that's bad for everybody. It's bad for the people that they're up against initially because they're demonizing people who are probably a lot more like them than they're willing to admit. And it's bad later on. Even if, if their side wins, it's bad later on because those people actually aren't in harmony with the cause they're supporting. And they will undermine it later or at the very least create some sort of internal dissonance, which leads to infighting, factionalism. And it's something you see with everything. I mean, it, factionalism is a very interesting idea because people just do it. Things just break down into factions and people are up against other people. Groups form within a group. 
You see it when a certain side wins a battle or wins a war. Within that group, while they may have been all on the same page when it was when they were fighting the war, when the war is over, they're going to break into smaller groups and fight amongst themselves. Humans are just prone to factionalism. I used to see this online. I used to see it with message boards online where just about every message board I ever looked at when I was a teenager, somebody always got in a fight with somebody else and a group of people always started their own new message board that was at odds with the other one. I saw it play out on pretty much every message board I ever I ever even looked at. I'm not even talking about participating on it. Everyone I ever looked at, there was always some other faction. People always kind of went into groups. And that plays out in person as well, of course. I mean, you can see that in Islam. You can see it in religion. You can see where people break into factions. You see it in Buddhism. I like I like it when I can use Buddhism as an example for just, you know, what seem to be timeless and inherent human tendencies. You know, I always talk about the Buddhist monks in South Korea hiring thugs to throw Molotov cocktails into the rival monasteries. Monastery, the rival monastery's monastery, um, but that happened. That's just that's something that happened. Uh, you know, following the Korean War, I believe it was, where the Buddhist groups in South Korea had political alignment, and the that alignment was in conflict with other Buddhist groups in South Korea. And guess what they did? They tried to burn each other's monasteries to the ground. They were violent even if it involved hiring other people, which kind of reminds me of the mafia. You know, the mafia has a rule against dealing drugs, but members get around that by giving quote-unquote loans to drug dealers. And so the mafia members, they'll arrange drug deals. They will, they will give somebody a point of contact. They will map out the drug dealing network. They will supply the money, but because they're not the ones handling the actual drugs, they can tell their boss, oh, I'm, not, I'm not a drug dealer. I'm not a drug dealer. I just made a loan to a guy. I gave the guy a loan. And he dealt drugs. I can't control what he does. So it's a loophole. And people are always finding loopholes. I feel like it's the same thing with these Buddhists who hired thugs to throw Molotov cocktails into other monasteries. It's sort of the same thing. It's like, I'm a Buddhist. I didn't do anything violent. What do you mean? What do you mean? I didn't do nothing. You know, but meanwhile, they hired somebody else to do it. Uh, so that's interesting. You know, it's just interesting. And, and you know, these Buddhist groups, factionalism. You see in Islam, where groups that were formerly on the same side when they had a unified cause, break into the, the most violent oppos opposed factions. You know, it's just they end up killing each other afterward. They end up fighting later. It's just kind of the history of everything is this tendency toward factionalism. And so you'll see that even when everybody's unified behind a cause, especially the, the more interest groups that are involved, you'll see coalitions. You'll see people come together and it's like, oh, we're the coalition. We're the coalition against evil. We're the coalition against evil. And what happens when you defeat that evil? What happens when you defeat that common evil? You start to see somebody as evil. Somebody else becomes evil. 
probably the person who you have a minor disagreement with, it escalates. And next thing you know, they're the evil one. And it's not even just that, you know, it's not even just the, this tendency toward factionalism. It's just the fact that when an individual adopts a certain way of thinking, when it's convenient or advantageous, when they become a weak link in that chain, they're going to be a liability later. And chances are, when they have the opportunity, they might do something that is completely counter to the beliefs that they supposedly hold, and they might not even be aware of it, because we have a tendency to think of opportunity and say, oh, when he had the opportunity, he said all the right things and did all the right things, and then when he had the opportunity to do otherwise, he took it. He might not even know he's taking that opportunity. He might not even know that he is taking that opportunity when it presents itself, because he might not be self-aware, and chances are he's not. I don't know who this he is. It's certainly not me. It certainly ain't me. What he, which he do you mean? You're talking about he-man? 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 He-man. He-man, he-man. But, uh, you know, when that opportunity presents itself and that person takes it, they might not even be aware of the opportunity. And that's what you deal with when you have a weak link, is they might not even be aware of what they're doing. And awareness is tricky. You know, as much as I talk about awareness being my definition of intelligence, you can't be too self-aware. You know, because when you're too self-aware, you second-guess your intuition. You get in your own way. So it's sort of a balance, you know. I mean, it is a balance, not sort of one. It's, it's definitely a balance where you have to be aware and you have to be self-aware and on one hand you should know everything that you're doing and why you're doing it but you can't dwell on that you can't sit around just thinking about that all the time cuz you'll pause you'll you know you'll, you'll cut down your own momentum you'll cut away at your own momentum in every possible instance you know and your momentum is so important in life because you will lose momentum. I mean, you will absolutely lose momentum in life. So if you're also on top of the fact that you're going to inevitably lose momentum in certain instances, the fact that you're cutting away at it, the fact that you're getting in the way and slowing down and maybe stopping your momentum entirely, you know, it's, it's just self-sabotage. So you can't be too self-aware, but yet you should be self-aware. It's a tough balance to make, you know, it's, it's a problem, but it is that process of individuation. It is going through that dark night of the soul, going, you know, getting through your own shadow. But again, it's like, I saw something online where it was like talking about, it was kind of as much as that, that idea is popular, that idea of, you know, working through your own shadow, doing that Jungian shadow work. I saw something making fun of that. The idea of it was making fun of the idea of somebody who just sits there thinking about that all the time. And that's exactly what I'm talking about here, where you shouldn't just sit around thinking like, oh, I'm doing shadow work. Oh, I'm going through the process of individuation. You can't just sit around thinking that all the time. You know, that's going to that's going to end up killing your momentum. It's going to make you a nerd. It's going to make you a nerd at the very least. Just to sit around thinking about psychology or this or that, you know, when you should very much be in the moment. Because being in the moment is 
being aware, but not letting yourself become crippled by self-awareness. Being in the moment is the perfect balance of everything I'm talking about. And there's a reason why the moment is always emphasized, because it is truly the one thing you have. But the second you acknowledge the moment, you're out of the moment. So what do you do? I mean, you, you just have to maintain some sort of balance where you're continually tipping it to the left with your right hand and then tipping it back to the right with your left hand. And hopefully you can reach a point where that's just natural, where that's just simply what you do. And when you do that, I do believe that you understand why you're doing what you're doing. And you have to, and, and you, you can dwell on it less, you can overthink it less, but you at least know why you're doing what you're doing and you can trust your intuition. And you won't become attached to a cause, you won't become a weak link, and you also won't attract weak links. And what else can you hope for as far as your interaction with the world goes, your interaction with other people go? Not being a weak link yourself and not being susceptible to other weak links. Not letting other weak links join your chain. So what else can you hope for? No weak links. I would say it's as simple as that, even if the process, you know, the process of living a life without weak links and not being a weak link isn't always so simple. Okay.